1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to discuss innovations in the podcast advertising industry. Joining us is Brian Baraletta, who is the founder of Sounds Profitable, which is a weekly newsletter with everything that you need to know about ad tech in podcasting. From analytics to dynamic ad insertion, the Sounds Profitable newsletter gives in-depth detail from experts every Monday morning. I am a subscriber to the Sounds Profitable newsletter. It is a wealth of information. If you're interested in learning about podcasting, go to soundsprofitable.com now. Non-sponsored, non-paid, but you should do this. It's a wonderful newsletter, and I cannot be more excited to have a VIP in the podcast industry here with us today. All right, today, Brian and I are going to talk about his expert advice on growing podcasts. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Brian Barletta, founder of Sounds Profitable. Brian, welcome to the Martech Podcast. Thanks for having me. Such a thrill to have you on the podcast. Great to reconnect. I am very excited to get the podcast playbook from you Let's start off first. Tell us a little bit about Sounds Profitable, about the newsletter. What is it and why the heck are you creating a newsletter about podcasts?
2: It's funny, you know, the first mindset is that people create podcasts about podcasting. I mean, you look, there's tons of podcasts about podcasting or then you get into the YouTube videos and you think that written word is probably the furthest thing away from talking to people in podcasting. But the Sounds Profitable newsletter is built with the intent to be a resource for people in the industry not on the microphone side, not on the mixing side, but people who are living with the ad tech, the hosting, the business side of it, who need a little bit more information. I have a 12-year-long career in advertising technology, started in mobile display and rich media, moved over to podcasting about six years ago. And I do a lot of sales engineer and product management work. And what I realize is that there's not a lot of education in this space right now about how all of this works. And it's not that complicated. So my entire goal with this was to take these concepts that are confusing because they're just not presented well. And because so few companies are putting time in to educate people or put free material out there and break them down and make it accessible for a sales engineer, an account manager, an ad ops person, a salesperson, and then all the way up to decision makers, C C-level VP, so that they can be more informed about how this all actually works.
1: I'm going to be selling hard on this podcast because first off, I like Brian, but I also really do see a lot of value and I get a lot of value from his newsletter. And so if you're interested in learning about podcast advertising and Brian, what you might not think is complex in the ad tech and sort of how it overlaps with podcasts isn't elementary to everyone else. I think that you have a wealth of knowledge that you're forgetting about, but I want to talk specifically in our conversation about three things. How should podcasters be thinking about growing their content? How should brands be thinking about the podcast advertising? And then I just want to talk to you about what the cool tools are and what the toys are in the podcast space. Today, let's talk about the first thing. When you talk about podcasters, and most of us are still in the phase where we're thinking of monetization. Some of us has hopefully mastered monetization. But fundamentally, we're all still trying to get to the mountaintop and get to a critical mass because most of podcasters are selling on a CPM basis and you need an incredible amount of listeners to make a CPM monetized podcast valuable. When you think about podcast growth, what are some of the ways that you recommend podcasters start to build their audience?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I do want to say though, the only thing about the podcast ad tech space is I am more meant that compared to standard ad tech, like double click campaign manager and all that stuff, the podcast ad tech doesn't have that level of depth yet and complexity. So I more mean it's accessible. If I said to somebody, you need to learn trade desk programmatic tomorrow, that'd be hard. But if I said you need to flight an ad in a podcast tomorrow, I think it's super doable.
1: In general, I think ad tech is confusing AF. (laughs) And yeah, I get it. That podcast advertising isn't as mature as some of the other channels. I still don't think it's like my mom and dad aren't monetizing a podcast anytime soon. Nothing personal, mom.
2: (laughs) So about growing a podcast, the first thing to keep in mind is you can always go back and add advertisement. You need to figure out where you are in your career with podcasting, whether it's a hobby, or you're trying to make it in business and you're investing into it or you're getting a paycheck from it already and then you need to, to set your path from there. I think that anybody who jumps ship on what they're doing, puts their podcast live and gets frustrated that it's not growing or making the money that they need to sustain is going to be really disappointed because unless you invest in it, you're not going to see that growth that's going to in turn result in more advertising, more interaction, you know, it's cyclical in that sense. So I think for growth, I really recommend investing in finding podcasts that are similar or that have a strong community. I wrote an article with Jordan Harbinger about how he buys podcast ads at scale. So if there are people with other podcasts that have a strong community or touch on similar topics or things like that, if you do sponsorship swaps or whatnot, that's a great way to get and grow your audience and share your audience with other people.
1: So the first tip that I'm hearing here is that you need to engage in the podcast community. If you are building a podcast, you should reach out to similar podcasts and try to essentially exchange assets, put your money where your mouth is, sponsor their podcast. It's something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, how we've grown our show. We buy a lot of podcast inventory. I'm trying to buy it on the cheap. Remnant inventory, programmatic inventory. We're doing post rolls, you know, the cheapest of the cheap stuff. With a lot of reach. Have you found that getting the word out there with a targeted message is more effective than getting the word out there broadly?
2: I think that you're trading sometimes ad spend for time, and other times you're just really spending more time investing and in figuring out what works. I think there are good approaches to both. I like HostRed ads, I'm a big fan of it. It's funny to, for someone in ad tech to talk about how they like HostRed ads, which is kind of on the smaller side, even though host rank can come through dynamic. But I think that there's something about an endorsement, right? There's something really attractive about podcast advertising, considering it more like influencer marketing from the social media side. So when a host talks to you about something like I'm positive, I'm going to get a bunch of signups because of how enthusiastic you are about my newsletter. And you're telling people to engage with it. Soundsprofitable.com. <laughs> Go on. So that has a certain appeal, but sometimes that costs more. But sometimes that enthusiastic host has a smaller audience themselves. And if you're both really excited and you can share that, that can be worth it. But that's man hours. Whereas what you're talking about is you can buy that remnant inventory. You can reach out to an exchange. You can record something yourself that's funny and that's you that fits what you're looking for and can captivate an audience that doesn't know you. And you can take that risk. So that's, like I said, one is the hours spent trying to find these people and negotiate and talk about it. The other one is recording a really cool ad, sending it out there, seeing what works and whatever doesn't work, cutting.
1: I recorded the ad that we've been using for two years. And at the time I was using a platform called Knit, which I don't think exists anymore. And the ad, Knit had access to CNN's inventory, Turner Media. And so I knew that my ad was going to be flighted on CNN. So I tried to sound super professional. Are you ready to learn how great businesses grow? Then listen to the Martech podcast, right? I was trying to sound like a news anchor and the ad works. It's, it's performed really well. I never re-recorded it. It is a hundred percent not the tone of this show where I, I don't know if anybody who's been a listener to the show realizes I am far from a CNN news anchor, but you know, sometimes you just find an ad that works and you're able to run with it. Now, we talked about the difference of networking in the podcast community. Maybe sometimes you can go out and buy inventory or doing dynamic insertion like what I've been doing. Are there other channels that you've seen marketers use outside of advertising in podcasts that are effective for growing their podcast?
2: I have a friend, Scott, who has a podcast, T's and Z's, where he reads the different companies' terms and services as something that people can fall asleep to. (laughs) It's such a funny concept. He's done so many interesting things in there. And he started a TikTok channel where he just highlighted. Like, I think there was a terms and service he found that has like a full cake recipe in it because some of these companies are just playing around because they know nobody reads them. So he started a TikTok channel where he like kind of pointed to the funny little things about it. And he's seen massive growth in that. And I don't think he's promoted much on there as much as he's just made the content on TikTok. So I think that right now, TikTok could be a really fun place to explore. Things like Clubhouse have really captivated a lot of people's attention. And that's a great way to go about it too. But yeah, I think almost any advertising type can work if you pay attention to it. And you know, if you're not getting conversions, pull it out like anything else. You just got to be able to optimize what you're spending.
1: My biggest piece of marketing advice is you need to market where your customers are. And when you're trying to promote a podcast... The intuitive thing to do is to market in podcasts, right? You've already got 50% of the targeting. I am looking for technology-driven marketers that listen to podcasts. If I am advertising in podcast, I know with 100% certainty that 50% of my targeting criteria has been met. If I'm on a social network, I better be damn sure that the people that I'm targeting are at least technology-driven marketers because there's no guarantee that they're listening to podcasts. So I agree with Brian. The first thing that he said was, you should be advertising or using your efforts, your man hours, promoting your content in podcasts because you're hitting 50% of the targeting criteria I've run tests in Facebook and Twitter and Google ads trying to buy traffic in other places. And even if the targeting is amazing, the conversions for me haven't been as effective because it's really hard to isolate whether somebody is actually a podcast listener. There are developing media channels like TikTok, like Clubhouse as well. I haven't really tested a lot of marketing in either of them, but I do agree with Brian's advice. The first thing you need to do is focus on the podcast landscape. Then start to think about other places where your community is hanging out, knowing that they may or may not actually be interested in podcasts. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Ryan, are there ways that companies that have podcasts or people that already have established content plays, you know, is there a way that you suggest that they convert their newsletter subscribers to podcasts, their existing CRM list? How do you get the people that you already know if you have an installed base in another channel to start consuming your podcast content?
2: So in the newsletter, obviously, like put that content in there and make it available. I think that can be valuable is, A lot of us have all these things going on. I can't read in a day as many articles as I can listen to podcast content. So the amount of newsletters out there that have the ability to offer me an audio version get way more of my attention. I use Pocket, for example, to turn a newsletter into something that I can listen to. So it'll have a robot read it to me. But if you're asking if you can take an email list or another DMP list about an individual and use it to target specifically in podcasting for ads you would need to take that list and work with a demographic partner like Nielsen or TrueOptic or I guess Claritas too. And then you would convert that into a segment and then you would have to work with a specific partner. I know TargetSpot and TrueOptic just partnered up. Megaphone and VoxNest work with Nielsen and Claritas and Art19 work together. And then through that, you could take that segment and target it and ideally get the household that's associated with that email.
1: Are we're going to nerd out on some ad tech for a second here. What you're saying is, all right, you have your installed base, your subscriber list. Obviously, you want to promote your podcast in the email that you're sending and try to get some cross promotion. But you're also taking it a step further by saying you can convert your email subscribers into retargetable households that you can then use in podcast advertising. So you're taking... The list of emails, you're giving them to a data provider, they're converting them into households, and then you're using an advertising platform to reach out to them. Am I getting that right?
2: Yeah. The big thing is, is that in podcasting, the only way to target by user is on an IP level. And there are no platforms out there that will let you upload an IP list. IP is becoming more and more personally identifiable information under CCPA and GDPR and all that. It's listed on its own as that. So I'm not expecting a world where you can take the IPs that you get from the people who read your newsletter and set it in and target and skip that middle area. So that's where those demographic partners that you can create custom segments on are really going to excel.
1: Sounds really expensive. Walk me through the cost of converting a newsletter to a retargetable podcast list.
2: Well, depending on the demographic partner, you're either going to have to prove that you have the rights to that data, the email address and or the IP address of the individual on your list, and then you manually upload it to them, which either has a price per record or like a flat rate aspect to it. They might insist instead that you put a pixel in your email so that they can generate the list for you organically. So that means that you have to have a seat or a relationship with those specific partners to store your own data. And then when you're targeting with the podcast partners, you can expect anywhere from a dollar to $5 CPM increase at a minimum to be able to target off those demographic partners, depending on how it works. I mean, those prices that I'm more familiar with are based on just targeting the default data from the demographic partners. It can be a custom fee based on how big of a list you're bringing over for them to target. And if you do that, you really shouldn't apply any additional targeting because that segment you've created is the people you're looking for, because it might be a very small list and you really want to make sure that you hit as many of them as possible.
1: Yeah, I think that when you're thinking about trying to port your list over to podcasts, advertising, it can be prohibitively expensive. I've tried to do this, tried to get you know our list of IPs and mobile app IDs and try to convert them into other types of data. And you're looking at at least 10 cents a record just for the data conversion going from email to mobile app ID. And then you have to pay the extra CPM to use a custom segment with your ad platform. So, not only for 10,000 records are you paying a thousand bucks just for the data conversion, but then you're paying an extra $5 CPM on top of what you would have paid to get those advertisements out to the right people. So you have to basically do the math of what you think the value of your podcast listeners are to do that conversion. My thought is, if you have an existing list, if you have a media asset, one of the ways that you could focus on converting those people is integrating some of the podcast content into the other media. Hey, here's a snippet from our latest podcast. Hey, we transcribed part of this podcast. Here is the transcription. Click here to listen to the rest of this episode right? If you start working your podcast in as part of the promotion and part of the content of your other assets, people are more likely going to engage because it doesn't feel like you're advertising to them. It is the actual value you're bringing to them from the underlying asset that they've subscribed to. Brian, are there any other ways that you recommend that podcasters start to think about growing their podcast outside of podcast advertising, social media platforms, and taking advantage of their installed base?
2: Nothing particular. I I think that really making sure that you understand and cultivate your community, right? With an email, like I know who I'm emailing and so I know how to get feedback from them. But I think that with podcasting, it's harder. I can't just hit reply on a podcast. I have to go out of my way to email that person. So I think that developing a relationship with the people in your podcast and getting them comfortable with engaging with you to provide you information back is a really good habit to start early, right? Encourage them to email you, put a phone number up there for them to text or leave voice messages for. The more engagement that they're used to, the bigger the community grows around it, the more they feel involved and they're going to spread it by word of mouth. And then the more information that you're able to have to know where your podcast is a success and where it's a failure. So you can focus your attention on what is interesting to your audience. At the end of the day, this is all
1: about building a community. The communication may go one to many, but you are trying to educate someone about a specific topic. Brian, I think that's great advice. We're going to bring you back tomorrow to focus a little bit more about how brands can take advantage of the podcast landscape. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Brian Barletta, founder of Sounds Profitable. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Brian and I are going to talk about how brands should evaluate podcast ad campaigns. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Brian, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is High 5 rpg that's H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-R-P-G. Or you could visit his company's website, which is soundsprofitable.com. Please go sign up for Brian's newsletter. It is incredibly valuable if you're thinking about learning about podcast advertising.